Well met, said our adventurers. We are back in the common room of the Goblin Claw Inn. And there's an adventure to do. A formal adventure called The Ashen Faces. The ashen pallor of his countenance and the hollowness behind his wary gaze mirrors the haunting look. You look, you witnessed only a few days ago. Alright, someone's doing some sort of poisoning, I guess? Well, we'll see, we'll see. Of course, I know what's going on, because I've done it loads of times before. But, for narrative excitement, I'm going to act like I don't. Your early morning arrival in the common moon of Goblin Claw Inn is met by a flustered and weary-looking Gritsmore. The innkeeper appears to be annoyed by something and beckons at once for you to follow him. You oblige him and promptly le led to a room at the back of the inn where a young man is lying on the floor of a thickly stuffed straw mattress. The young man's face, which is bathed in sweat, has a ghastly pale pallor. His entire face trembles as his eyes slowly stretch open. As he appears to take notice of you standing over his makeshift bed, he manages a brief smile. Before the young man can attempt to speak, Gritzman pulls you aside speaks to you in a hushed but earnest tone. Wandered here, wandered here late at night, says the innkeeper, turning to glance at the young man, who began to attempt to rise from the mistress. Pounded on the door till Gilbarn let him in. Looked quite ill then, I'll have you know. We don't turn folks away, and certainly not someone in as rough a spot as he seemed. Wouldn't have bothered you with this if he had an stray off for you, Sir Crokington. You're taken aback by Gritsmore's admission. The young man immediately asks for you upon entering the inn. The innkeeper tells you that he told the young man, who introduced himself as Brindle, that you might not back be, might not be back in Southwell Glen for weeks. Or even mouths. I'm no huntsman or an expert on po poison. Poison, but I know that colour anywhere, says Quidsmore, turning to the young man who is a now. Only now he gained his feet. Take a look at that, that pale, his pale face, Sir Crokington. Almost at first glance, long before Quidsmore made mention of it, you recognise the stricken young man, Baldwin, was likely victim of a powerful venom, toxin, of a cloud-breathed snake, a vicious and deadly reptile, more commonly found in realms south and west of Tysa. Venom of the cloud-breath, let's just read up on them, cloud-breathed snake, he's aggressive, venomous and trainable. Grey or snail snakes bear the unique and alarming ability to spray their deadly poison at their victims in the form of a rapidly expanding cloud of fine mist. The poison of a cloud of the cloud breath is slow acting, but its effects are deliberating and devastating. An exposure to the toxin ultimately results in agonizing death. Because they are trainable, these snakes have, from time to time, been used by assassins. These snakes are more commonly found in the southern 
reaches of Swift. So there shouldn't be any of them around here. Unless there's something wicked afoot. The venom of the cloud breath, while deliberating and deadly, can sometimes take several days to kill human-sized prey. I guess that implies that usually their prey is a lot smaller. This usually only serves to prolong the suffering of anyone unfortunate enough to be afflicted with the poison. Sir Crokington says Brutlin, his voice. Sir Crokington! says Brutlin, his voice wavering as he drips into a shallow boat. He must hurry. I fear there isn't much time. Disregarding what he has said for a moment, you ask, you ask him how he came into contact with the snake as uncommon as the cloud breath. Noticeably trembling as he speaks, Brutlin tells you that ill luck on his trek out of a patch of forest at the northern edge of the Hart Hills landing me in the path of the deadly snake. My luck hasn't been what it always was of late, says the young man, whose face still plainly displays the severe discomfort at even speaking of oats. I just cut loose from the... My, 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 never mind. i just gone out a bit of tired of its part. I figured to myself, speed three, and on my way, when I cross paths with the snake. Budwin tells you the cloud breath was quite aggressive, and before he knew quite what was was happening, he found himself gagging on a thick blast of the creature's venomous breath. The young man suddenly flashes a glance at Goodsmore, and politely asks the innkeeper to step out of the room, so that he, so he may privately speak to you. Goodsmore grumbles something, but steps back into the common room leaving you and Brildwin alone. Brildwin, who describes himself as an adventurer, tells you that for the past three days he's had a one of strange misfortunes accumulating in the encounter with the snake at the edge of the forest. You see, he says, lowering his voice, which seems to have grown somewhat stronger. I was on my way to Twithick, seeking out a man by the name of Deathwin who I have to believe is somehow tied in with all this bad luck. You see, Sir Crokington, I found this in the woods three days ago. The young man hands you a small, furled scrap of paper that bears the following scrawled words. Deathwin, Twithick, Tawamir. The hair on the back of your neck stands on end as your eyes glance over the word Tawamir. Scrawled in almost the exact centre. Spent centre of the scrap of paper. You immediately ask Bridget where he obtained the note now. Now, Sir Crokington knows some things about Tawamir. Now, let's, t let's, f let's tell you them too. Tawamir. The wounds in Tawamir is a special replayable adventurous scenario where Adventure Guild members fight alongside one another as they strive to defeat the powerful greater demon Zarak and his vile minions. The Lost Temple of Tawamir, also commonly referred to as the Ruins of Tawamir, as well as just Tawamir, is affixed to in many of the legends of the North Broadlands. 
According to legends, Taramir was an ancient Varathian temple in the heart of an enchanted forest. The temple itself and the grounds that surround it are said to have been visible, said to have been invisible to all but mighty for mighty Vorathian sorcerers who constructed it and who worshipped an unnamed deity in its guarded sanctum. It has long been believed that a treasure trove of ancient arcanum and lore lies buried in the remains of the lost temple, which, as the legends tell it, was mysteriously destroyed at the end of the Age of Storms. It will, but it lasted all the way to the end, so... I guess that's good luck on its part. If the ruins of Tamera still exist, some would say if they ever existed, it's likely the site is still protected by the powerful magic that rendered it invisible to all but the Varathium sorcerers who so long, so long ago built it. Hmm. Baldwin told you three days ago he came upon the remains of several Corund in the woods in the northern region of Hard Hills. He tells you the bodies of the seven world Corund, a couple of them half eaten, were strewn about the remnants of a camp not far inside the forest. Goblins, maybe. Goblins, maybe. Trolls seem more likely, he says making reference to the fate he believes befell the Corundin in Gatland. I didn't linger there, but I did find that note in one of their pockets. Like you, Sir Crockington, I took particular interest in the mention of Tauramere. Even before the young man made mention of it, you formed your own conclusions. It's obvious to you the Corund, who was thought in the camp, were searching for the wounds of Tauramere the fabled Lost Temple that supposedly still holds law and calm lost to the ages in its ancient halls. And, says Belgium, and, says Belgium, as if he's reading your thoughts, it's plain to see that the Corund were on their way to Trithic to find someone by the name of Deathwin, an accomplished maybe? Perhaps someone who knows how to find Daramir. Your eyes drift away from the note and back towards the young man's pale, ashen face. You suddenly realise there's every possibility that his encounter with the cloud breath, a snake that's in no way common to these parts, was not accidental. Well, that's what I suspected. Well, as you can, well, as you can well enough see for yourself, I'm not fit for dread, dreadic, says Broadrim who breaks into a violent fit of coughing that momentarily leaves him breathless. When he has composed himself enough to continue, he embarks upon what sounds surprisingly like a guilty confession. I'm an adventurer, Sir Crockington, he says, but I'm no hero, not by anyone's account. I've had my share of troubles here and there, but I can tell you honestly, I've no love for Corund. I've seen too much of the wickedness about to be willing to let this stand. I was on my way. Way to Twithick to find out what I could about all this. Who knows? Maybe there was even a bit of twelfth profit to be had from it. 
immediately find yourself in agreement with much of what the young man has said, particularly with regard to the Corund. If the Corund are bent on discovering the wounds of the lost temple of Tamera, it can only be for the furthering of their evil end. Something that certainly bodes ill for the West of humanity. Before Broderick can speak, you tell him that you will make your journey to Twithick and find out what you can about this business. You make note of the name of Deathwind and vow to discover exactly how the person bearing his name fits into this matter. Well then, I've done what I could, says the young man with a quick quivering smile stretched across his cracked lips. I go with you, I'll go with you, but very likely I'll never leave this in. As pitiful as such a notion might be, I don't think I'm getting any better. Broderwin suddenly erupts into another violent fit of coughing that ends with a thin stream of blood running down from his mouth and over his chin. His breathing becomes quite laboured and he winces. The man, who seems to have stumbled upon some sort of sinister plot involving the Corond, appears to be getting worse before your very eyes with each passing moment. You begin to think that his notion of never leaving the Goblin Claw might indeed prove prophetic. Well, death? <laughs> yeah, you think I'm just going to let things die, people die when I could save them? After what happened to Vark? No, 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 if I can, if I can save someone, I must. Restoration. Call upon the power of restoration. It succeeded. 8 XP to restoration. Though you can see no more outward change in his sickly pallor, you feel as if your magical healing powers have begun to slowly combat the venom that still courses through the young man's body. Budwin thanks you for your valiant effort and tells you he will continue to do his best to fight off the effects of the poison. I've lots that needs to be done, he says smirking. My time will have to wait just a bit yet. You wish Bodwin well, and tell him you will pray he has a full and speedy recovery from the effects of the snake's deadly toxin. He again thanks you and tells you to take care on the road. I knew I sought out the white person, he says, as you turn to leave the room at the back of the inn. Never had any doubts about that, Sir Crockington. Look glad around you. Well, you see, Murlock's taking a turn for the better. Though it's just a bit late for that. You tell, you tell him not to give up hope and to await your return. He nods and watches you depart. Just outside the womb, you walk into Grutzmo, who's returning with a bowl of bread and cheese for the stricken, self-described adventurer. He stops and tells you more than once to be careful. Pay, pay no further mind about him, he says, jerking his head in the direction of the womb you've just left. I'll tend to him well enough. Be wise you please if he gets enough of our food in him. And uh, maybe just a touch of air. Just a touch, though. You mind yourself now, if you're heading out, Sir Crockington. You bid Gritzmore farewell, and start to head off across the common room towards the front door. 
After only a few steps, you turn and glance back at the small room holding Brudwin. The ashen face of the young man is turned in your direction, and his wary eyes are fixed on you. You hope to find him still alive when you return. You step out of the inn. You know that you must at once set out for Twithick and seek out the man that Brudwin spoke of, a man by the name of Deathwin. All right. All right. Back at the back at the entrance to the Goblin Claw Inn, you realise you should at once set out for Twithick and seek out the person mentioned in the note found by Brudwin. Person by the name of Deathwin. All right. Fortunately, it's a lot easier for for the player to get there than it is for the character to get there. Because you just click where you go and it just skips over the travel, more or less. Here we are, Twithick. You're confident that somewhere in the city you will find the person named Deathwin. And shed some light on the strange circumstances that have brought you here. Alright, Deathwin. So. Alright, explore the city. Explore the city street. I think that's where I do. This is where you can just look for a particular place. Explore. After a somewhat lengthy trek, you happen upon the, that which you seek. The shop of Deathwin the Mapmaker. Yep, it's that easy. You just had to type who you were looking for. I don't know, maybe, maybe he was in the... Maybe he was in, you know, some sort of register. It's probably some sort of chart list... List of all the businesses in the city somewhere. I just probably just looked that up. Anyone called Deathwin. Guided by the advice and the direction of several friendly townsfolk, you find your way to the shop of Deathwin the Mapmaker, now to the way corner in the eastern quarter of the city. When you first set foot inside the small but well ordered shop, it appears to be empty, suddenly. A ragged grasp of a small room at the back startles you. Before you even started to move in that direction, a grey-haired man steps into view, greets you with a quick nod, an unsteady wave. As the man steps closer, raises his eyes to meet your stare, your heart skips a beat. The ashen pallor of his countenance and the hollowness behind his wary gaze mirrors the haunting look you witnessed only a few days ago. On the face of Brudwin in Goblin Claw Inn. He opens his mouth as if to speak, but suddenly stumbles forward. You rush, rush ahead and take hold of him, keeping him on his feet and allowing him a chance to regain his balance. The middle-aged man thanks you as he leans against the ta table in the middle of the room and steadies himself. You introduce yourself to the mapmaker, and his eyes open wide upon hearing your name. He tells you that his name is Deathwind, and he's had a rather trying day. An exceedingly unfortunate stroke of luck. 
Your pulse quickens when he tells you he was attacked by a cloud breath snake only a few minutes ago. Yep, yep, that's the current. The very mention of the snake, snake opens up an entire new set of dark possibilities regards the business you seem to have found yourself embroiled in. You are certain that the encounters with Bridwin and Deathwim and her had with the rare and deadly reptiles are acts of attempted murder, sinister, calculated measures employed by a sophisticated enemy. An enemy like the Corund. There are many around from around this way who haven't heard of you or your adventures. Sir Crokington, he says, seemingly forgetting the gravity of the situation for a moment. You make quite the name for yourself in these parts. He nod, politely acknowledging the express sediment, then quickly asks the map painter, main maker, if he had recent visitors to the shop. Tells you he has. Two men. Perhaps an hour ago, he says, his body trembling slightly. Two men. Perhaps an hour ago. He says, his body trembling slightly. They asked me about a recent discovery I made. In fact, it's a culmination of nearly a decade of research and study. I'd imitated this discovery only to a handful of close associates. Though I've since learned the danger inherent in such eagerness. The discovery is something I'm certain would be of great interest to one of your adventurous spirit, Sir Crokington. It's the location of the long lost ruins of Towermere. Leaning against the table in the centre of the room, Deathwin tells you that only a short while ago two men entered his shop seeking the location of the ruins. Very uneasy feeling I'd have about them too, he says, exhaling sharply. <coughs> and placing his hand across his chest. They used the name of an associate of mine, a fellow man of maps, who toils on the other side of the city, mostly working for the vein. I very much doubted their story, of course, for he's quite well regarded in these walls. And one need not know, and one need not know him to know of him. You learn the two men tell Jethrim, that they were eager to examine the ruins of the ancient temple for purposes of historical research. Looking back on it, it was certainly foolish to show them location, he says, somewhat sheepishly. But although they showed no aggression towards me, something inexplicable told me that dire consequences would follow any refusal. In the back of my mind, I still held her out. My associate has sent them my way. Though I realise now for certain this could not be the case. Deathwind tells you that soon after the pair left, the full knowledge of the location of the long, hod, long hidden ruins of Tormera, with the full, yeah, with with that knowledge, he began to deeply regret parting with the ancient lore for which he had long diligently hunted. He immediately decided to set out and ask his associate if he indeed sent the man meant to him. But it was then, in the back room of his shop, that he encountered the deadly cloud breath. While I cursed my old fortune, being after being caught by the snake's breath, I never saw the possible connection between the two men 
who had only recently left my company, and the appearance of the venomous creature, he says. It is now only too plain they are connected. These men sought to make certain I tell no one else about the location of the ruins. Although, admittedly, that is a way you're kind of... current. you're kind of emphasising evilness over efficiency. Because if you killed him, you know, in a normal way, he'd be dead. And then I wouldn't be able to find the location, and you'd be and you'd just be able to do whatever sinister things you are. Did a piece, but you thought, hmm, okay. Obviously, we're gonna kill him, but what's the evilest way that we can kill him? Because we're all about the evil. I mean, I mean. I mean, if you okay, if we're going to do a murder, we should evil it up a bit more, a bit more evil, because our god likes evil. He finds evil sexy and hard, or something like that, or something. We gotta be more evil. And so they decided to do this incredibly painful, but also slow method of murder. Which meant that, oh dear, now your entire thing's going to fall apart. Dethuin is suddenly seized by a violent fit of coughing, <coughs> in the wake of which he seems both weaker and paler. He steadies himself against the edge of a scroll-filled shelf, and takes several deep, ragged breaths. You realise the powerful venom of the cloud breath is continuing to wreak havoc on his body. Well, obviously, restoration. Call upon it. Succeeded. 8 XP to restoration. Through, you can see no visible change in his ghoulish pallor. You feel as if your magical healing powers have begun to slowly combat the venom that still courses through the map maker's body. He thanks you for your valiant effort on his behalf. With the pallor of his face becoming paler and his breathing growing somewhat more ragged, Deathwing retrieves a map of the hard hills of southwest Tyson and shows you the location of the ruins of Tamamir. I warn you, you should take care if you venture that way, he says. Between <sighs> laboured breaths. I only know of two men who visited me, of course, but it's likely they have confederates. Something is not right with this. They seek to set foot in Tamir for reasons that they care not to guess. Gazing down at the map spread out beneath Tethwim, you take note of the location beneath his figure, a thick swath of forest on the northern edge of the hard hills. Is there in the midst of the tangled wood, according to the map maker, you will find the ruins. Anyone familiar with the legend Samira knows that it was hidden from the eyes of the unworthy, protected by powerful Vorinthian magic that made it invisible, he says, gasping after words as the remainder of the colour drains from his face. You must kneel before the great wooden face in the forest to reveal the temple. 
For you're familiar with the legend, Tamara, and the great wooden face. Face which Jethro has just made it. Due to spade to learn, he does not know its precise location. He assures you, however, it must be near to the ruins. The legend is to prove it all true. You thank the Macmaper, and after making certain he is comfortable, and fetching a local healer to see after him, you set out on your way, eager to leave Twithick and return to South Twelfth Glen, where this strange business began. As you make your way towards the city gate, you silent, quietly play, pray for the full and speedy recovery of both Deathwin and Buildwin. Alright, now, let's go to... It looks like we can't go to the... We can't look, look for the... We can't look for the... Pl the... For the ruins yet, until we've checked in on Buildwin. Alright. Enter the inn. As you're about to enter the inn, the sound of something dragging itself across the ground behind you sends your pulse racing. You spin around and are horrified to discover a large, grail snake. Grey snail, cloud breath snake, slithering rapidly up the path towards you. The vicious, hissing creature suddenly rears back and stretches wide its fanged jaws as it prepares to unleash its deadly cloud of venom. Alright, I've got options. I could use... I could just attempt to escape the impending breath attack. Or I could use telekinesis, fortification, elementalism, shadow magic if I had it, but I don't. Archery, woodsmanship, illusion, or conjuration. Um, telekinesis. It failed. Well, bugger. Alright, I'm going to slowly die now. You gag and wet as the cloud of poison swiftly envelops you. Your body struggles to stave off the more devastating effects of the deadly toxin. Alright, pick your number. A bonus of 47. Eighteen for body, ten from spirit, nineteen for workmanship. Sorry for yawning. All right, got to get a hundred or more, or I'm going to become not just a little bit poisoned, but very poisoned. Pick now. Hundred twenty-three success. Several waves of staggering pain wax your body, as a small amount of the snake's deadly venom seeps into your bloodstream. 73 damage. No, 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 just 23 damage. Luckily, you've managed to... S to stave off the more ravaging effects of the poison. Realising that, that allowing the snake to spew another cloud of venom would likely prove fatal. You quickly gather what remains of your strength and leap forward to attack the vicious reptile. The grey-scale snake slivers to the left, slivers to his left and then surges forward towards you. 
hissing wildly as it prepares to strike. This is a cloud breath snake. Begin combat. It strikes at you. Alright, a sudden surge of energy overtakes you and you lay three impossibly swift blows upon your enemy for 17 damage and it is slain. 34 XP. You carefully pick up the tackered carcass of the dead snake and toss it into the woods at the back of the road. Taking a few moments to look around, make certain that no more of the scaly predators are lurking nearby. You make your way into the inn. You've only made it to the edge of the common room when you find yourself face to face with Gritsmall, the notorious innkeeper, whose facial expression betrays nothing, motions for you to follow him into the room at the back of the inn. You're both taken aback and overjoyed to find Bredim up and about, much of his colour having returned, with his skin no longer bearing the sickly ashen grey hue. The young man looks almost beam. Be the perfect specimen of rugged vitality. He quickly strides up and meets you in a shoulder cross. Gritsmill steps back out of the room, leaving you alone with the young man, who seems to have made nearly a full recovery. After, after thanking you repeatedly for saving his life, the young, self-described adventurer listens with great interest as you relate to him your encounters with Deathwind and Twithick. Then, when you mention your own one with a cloud breath snake just outside the inn, he seems both shocked and immensely fearful. Whatever is at work here is well beyond my own modest abilities, he says, somewhat apologetically. I came here seeking you, Sir Grogington. However or not it is your liking, I must leave this matter in your capable hands. Perhaps there is nothing more to be done yet. So I imagine you have your own thoughts on that. At length, you take your leave of Bildwin, who tells you that he will remain in the inn until he feels well enough to set out for Twithick, his original destination. He wishes you luck on your travels, and again thanks you for saving his life. In turn, you wish him a slit swift completion, competition, completion to his recovery, and jokingly admonish him to stay clear with shakes. For you get the feeling there's unfortunately more practicality to your plainful warning than you would like. Don't worry. I'll see to it he's strong on his feet before he's out of the door, says Gritsmall, pushing past you into out in pushing past you into the room, carrying a steaming bowl of stew. This stew ought to put him put some bounce back in his strides, young fellow. Leave that or kill you. Can't ever tell with the stew. You bid the innkeeper and build with farewell and set out on your way. 128 experience to restoration. Very nice, very nice. Outside the inn, you pause and glance about at the rather tranquil scenery that surrounds you. It seems in stark contrast to the spectre the sinister affair in the midst of which you seem to have directly landed. Despite your misgivings about the shadowy nature of the episodes connected with Deathwind's discovery of the wounds of Tamara, you quickly resolve yourself that the only way you can ever hope to get to the bottom of the events is to pay a visit to the wounds yourself. Well, in no way 
only a journeyman adventurer, and have laid your eyes upon countless things, both wondrous and terrifying your travels, if it will be quite some time before you can forget the chilling sight of the pale, ashen faces of Bildor and Deathwin, the ghoulish, the ghoulish hue of their skin, as their bodies slowly succumbed, succumbed to the ravaging effects of the venom coursing through their veins, seems to hint at a dark, murderous plot that stretched all the way from the bustling streets of the Adderstone to the heart of Halftrod Glen. And that is 128 experience to general, and that's the end of this adventure. Armed with the knowledge of where to seek, seek ruins of the ancient Vorathian temple to Talamir, you will now be able to access the special Wounds of Talamir multiplayer replayable scenario. Look out for the Wounds of Talamir in the Heart Hills region of Southwest Tysa. Alright, let's go look for it. Travel, Southwell Clan, Heart Hills. A tangled swath of forest. Well, that's new. You arrive at the forest location, indicated by Deathwind, the map maker. The location of the ancient ruins of Taramir. The dense woodland stretched out before you, however, offers few clues as to the location of the legendary temple. With only the vague notion of needing to find a great wooden face by which to reveal the ruins. You step back and allow your eyes to wander the edge of the forest. Your pulse slowly quickens as you notice something at the top of the trees ahead. The tips of several towering ancient oaks at the perimeter of the wood have come together, their gnarled, ban gnarled branches intertwining to form the unmistakable and unnerving image of a sinister, leering face. Kneel before what you perceive to be the great wooden face. Wait a minute. How did they keep that face there for centuries? No, m millennia. Because, you know, trees die. Eh, magic, I guess. Kneel before what you perceive to be the great wooden face. 64 experience to general. Certainly you've discovered what death room was referred to as the great wooden face. You drop to one knee while facing the leaning oaks, whose upper branches entwine to form a strange, a somewhat unsettling image. At first, nothing happened, but as you're about to return to your feet, a stiff wing picks up out of the east and wars through the trees. Your vision momentarily blurs. And when the scene before you finally comes back into focus, you are stunned to find that a dark arched, formed by leaning trees, now exists beneath the leering wooden face. Just inside the southern edge of the thick swath of forest in the northeastern corner of the Hard Hills, you stand before the tall arch created by several towering leaning oaks that offers passage into the tangled wood. The top of the arch formed out of the inter intertwined branches of the ancient hardwoods is the unmistakable image of a sinister, leering face proceed north beneath the arch. 
you stand at the southern edge, the ancient ruins of Tamara. The cracked and crumbling blocks of mossy stone and shattered, intricately engraved cobblins, the only commons, only serve to hint at the small portion of the temple's original glory, lies scattered across the tangled forest floor. The grand, formerly towering monument of a sword-wielding warrior, once erected in honor of an ancient, forgotten Varanthian hero, lies on its side amidst a thick patch of bramble. The wide, lifeless eyes of the giant statue stare out at you from the thorny vines that now ensnare the fallen monument. The pungent odour of smoke fills the air here, and from somewhere in the distance, the unmistakable and chaotic din of waging battle reaches your ears. Alright, we'll be able to take part in the main event. I can go northeast from here. The far eastern corner of the ruins is a vine entangled yard of statues. Dozens of life size statues, many of them toppled and smashed, fill this broad patch of stony ground. The waist high walls of stones that once surrounded the yard has long since crumbled and is now little more than a scattering of flat stones in small piles around the perimeter. You curiously note that many of the statues, both the standing and the fallen, bear horrific expressions on their faces and seem to speak of pain and torment. Wait a minute, are these actual statues or are these people who were suddenly turned to stone? I mean, it could be either way. Alright, let's go northwest. There's a narrow path leading heading east through the world. I'll go there. The narrow path leads into a large open air on the far eastern edge of the ruins. In the middle of the clearing sits a massive heap of rubble that appears to have been building to some sort. Building of some sort in the temple's more glorious days. Having seen little of interest here. You're about to turn and head back to the west, when the sound from behind signals the arrival of danger. You spin around and find two black-robed, hooded figures emerging from the head, out of the path, out of head of the path out of which you passed only moments ago. A wayward sister, or a wretched thief, snarls the tall of the two figures raising its hood to reveal the winkered face of an elderly man beneath the black hood. A hero, perhaps? Zarak's coming cannot be stopped. The mighty servant of Doloreth will rise, and rise again. Before you can respond to the elder current, the world figure next to him raises its gaze to meet your own and you are taken aback to behold the face of a young woman. Woman smears, sneers and draws a sword from beneath her robes. Upon your world, master, she says, they're the ones taking her eyes off you. The overcorn nods, almost at once. Almost before you can react, the woman leaps forward, a, blaze, a blade poised to cut you in half. Alright, I can I can flee, I can fight. If I had shadow magic, I could use that, I could use that, but I don't, so I can't. Telekinesis, 
fortification or archery um, telekinesis succeeded 16 xp to telekinesis you channel your power of telekinesis and project a powerful blast of telekinetic energy at the leaping Corwin swordsman the impact of the invisible blast sends her soaring backwards into the ground uh, where she lies stunned wasting no time you leap forward and dispatch your wicked foe you step back from the remains of your slain foe and turn to face the overlook wound, only to discover he's no longer in sight. Puzzled by his swift and unseen departure, and with no desire to linger here even a moment longer, you decide to one decide at once to head back west along the path. Right northwest, you stand before a decayed set of mangled iron gates. The thick bars of the ancient portal are bent and twisted into unnatural directions and have been forced apart, making the once fearsome barrier little more than a grim reminder of a more glorious past. Your eyes are drawn to the top of the gates, where you note with revulsion that several human skulls have been skewered from the sharpened tips of the thickly wrought bars. Alright, head north through the destroyed gates. You could rest here to slowly restore yourself with 50 stamina points and one level reserve restored every 5 seconds. It's, it's kind of slow, but the level reserve helps a lot. So head north through the destroyed gates. You begin a cautious ascent of the narrow path that skirts up the eastern flank of the wobble strewn slope. From up ahead, at the top of the steep hill, the brutal sounds of battle rise into the smoke-filled air. A series of ghastly howls ring out, sending chills down the length of your back. Hope wells up from within you as the rallying cry of the brave adventurers still assailing the winged Blackwing demon reaches your ears. Continue up to can you continue up the path towards the battle. You stand at the very edge of the deep, steep, boulder-strewn hill that dominates the middle of the temple ruins. The fight is on. A fierce battle wages less than a hundred yards from here, in the middle of a wing of obelisks that crowns summit of the treacherous slope. It is in the perimeter of the stone wing that some of Swift's greatest adventures are boldly assailing the demon Zawak, a mighty servant, servant of the dark god Zorath. Thick, pungent columns of black smoke rise into the air, assailing your senses with the overpowering stench they bear, and choking out nearly all the light that seeps into the forest through the dense canopy of leaves and branches high overhead. According to reports from the adventurers returning from battle, the mighty demon is relatively unscathed. And who's been here recently? Uh, me and Laldrum. Hmm. But he was probably here a long while ago. Move towards the battle. You arrive at the feet of the massive black-winged demon and find yourself staring up 
at a fearsome ste spectacle of unearthly might that, that all but defies description. But the GM's are good at this, so he's going to do it anyway. Ha 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 ha. You don't want to be described, we're describing you anyway. Thick black scales and tufts of long grey hair cover limbs and torso of the hideous demon. Weaves of black flame and columns of dense pungent smoke encircle it as it stares down through the bulbous ebony eyes through large bulbous ebony eyes the brave adventurer scuttling about near the tips of its talon toes with a deafening tour. War Zarorak turns his chilling gaze upon you nearly causing you to flee turn and flee beneath the oppressive wave of fear induced by its dreadful stare. Zarak is currently relatively unscathed. Casting aside the glowing sense of dead that claws at your resolve, you bravely engage the, engage the demon. It's the greater demon, Zarak. Zarak roars as he stomps through his massive clawed foot. Zarak bellows with rage as he reaches out. Feel with his fiery gasp, clawed foot, fiery gasp. Faced with an, another immediate threat, your enemy momentarily ignores you. Zarak turns his haunting gaze towards you, and you feel your wife, life force rapidly draining, draining away. You are unable to resist the attack and take 40 damage. Alright, it's got 99% of its health left. Zarak thrusts his clawed hand towards you, and a broad arc of black lightning leaps through the air, striking you squarely in the chest. You're unable to resist the attack, 55 damage. Alright, I'm just bashing it, bash, bash. Alright, I'm stabbing. Stabity, 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 stab. Stubbity, 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 stab. Stubbity, 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 stubbity. Alright, fifth round 54, 55, 56, 60. And I'm now forced to retreat. Because after about 50, 60 rounds, you have to retreat. That gives someone else a chance to bash, to stab it. You stumble back from the towering figure of Zarak, longer able to sustain your attack in the face of the powerful aura of dread that surrounds the demon. Alright, and now I, now I heal. Stepping past the bodies of fallen adventurers, you swiftly win, wind your way through the maze of, uh, maze of rubble and back towards the edge of the cliff top. You've gone only a few yards from the edge of the Ring of Stones, when you suddenly spot something lying on the ground ahead. You move swiftly up to the object and discover it's an iron sword of unremarkable appearance. Something inexplicable draws you to the weapon. You decide to pick it up and take it with you. This is the Iron Sword of Tamera. This plain iron sword was once wielded by one of the fierce three fearsome warriors that guarded the Temple of Tamera. You don't quite feel white with the weapon in your, pos your position. This weapon is of common quality. 
Yeah, you can equip it, but that's not what it's for. It's the Iron Sword of Tamara. After taking only a few moments to check over the equipment, you once again set off at the far side of the hill. And this, um, this, this adventure also lists who's been attacking. So I'm going to bash, stab it again. All right, quickly, quickly fighting, quickly fighting, quickly fighting. All right, I can, I could do three rounds at once, even quicklier fighting. Very quick fighting, very quick fighting, forced to retreat. 1467 damage. And quick heal. Yeah, this can also drain your... This can also drain your nev... Your... Your neville reserve. Which... Which is annoying, because you need that for healing. Alright, healing, 1534. Alright, I found another item. This time it's the Iron Axe of Tamara. This plain Iron Axe was once wielded by one of the three fiercer boys who guarded the Temple of Tamara. You don't feel quite right with this weapon in your possession. This weapon is of common quality. Alright, that's three rounds done. Bit more healing. And stabity, 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 stab. Alright, it's, it's at 79%, 77%, 76%. It forced to retreat. 1,000 1,121 XP. Here we go again. Bashity, bash, 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 bash. No, I'm not bashing. It zoop the bashes. So croaking teeth, stab, 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 stabs stab instead. Forced to retreat. 1358. It's all adding up. 5-6% every time we bash it. So I just have to do, I don't know, 15, 16 rounds against it. And it'll be gone. Alright. There's just over a thousand damage that time. Oh, and all my my Neville Reserve is gone. Retreat to the gates below. You can west here. Alright, and I will. Just westing, westing, westing. Yeah, just gotta just gotta wait it out. Although of course it's if you're healing a lot and you will be, it's probably it's quicker. To just quickly zoop back to a safe location. Moving swiftly and stealthily through the piles of debris that choke the perimeter of the Ring of Stones. You attempt to close in on a towering figure of Zarak, the mighty servant of Doreth. Picking a number. Bonus of 95. 18 from Feathery. 19 from Woodmanship. 10 from Luck. 10 from Mind. 20 from Agility. 19 from Body. Got to get a hundred or more, or something will stop me. Pick now. 117. Success. You draw up to the massive black-winged demon unseen. All around you, brave adventurers are scrambling to either engage the mighty servant of Drath, or flee beyond the range of his deadly wrath. Wasting no time, leap forward, eager to join your assault. 
Now, there could be other players simultaneously bashing it, but not right now. All right, Greater Demon Zarak. That's 60% now. Bashity bash, bashity bash, bashity bash. All right. Oh, here we go. It's a third weapon, the Iron Staff of Tamara. This is a plain iron staff was once wielded by one of the three fearsome warriors who guarded the Temple of Tamara. You don't feel quite right with the weapon in your possession. This weapon is of common quality. Uh, yep, yep, we got the staff. Okay, we got the three weapons. We'll be able to do something with that. With those momentarily. Retreat to the gates below. West here. Alright, now, if I've asked for help on the Discord, maybe someone will turn up soon. Or maybe not, I don't know, maybe they're busy. Or they're not here, or they're at work, or who knows. Anyway. North East. Your exploration of the wounds is suddenly interrupted by an unwelcome encounter. You immediately recognise the black-robed beings now swiftly closing on you as Kawund, wicked servants of the dark god Juath. You can only assume their presence in these ancient ruins that means that some sinister plot is already afoot. With no intention of allowing these wicked men to escape and perpetuate the evil, you draw yourself into a combat-ready stance and prepare to engage in two black robes Kawund. Alright, they strike at you with their long-bladed knives. I stab with my regular knife, 7 XP. You step over the remains of your enemies and dutifully check over your equipment while scouring your surroundings for any further sign of lurking peril. Without further delay, you once again set off on your way through the wounds of Tamara. Or Tamir, or something like that. It's two armoured ghouls this time. Another 7 XP. Alright, I can... Alright. Through the gates, to the battle. Move towards the battle. Substantially wounded. Alright, 55%. It's nearly halfway done. 52, 51. We're nearly halfway there. Were we living on a prayer? Perhaps we were. Greater Demon Zurak. Keep getting yourself bashed very much. Thank you, please. Keep bash, 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 bash. Oh dear. Uh, uh, Use the quick stone to heal. There. Alright, and there we are. Alright, it's heavily wounded. It's 45%. Ooh, got a lot of damage very quickly just then. 40%. Forced to retreat. Alright. Alright, retreat to the gates below. Westing, westing, westing. Alright, just a few more bashes and it will fall. And then we'll then we'll then I'll show you what you can do with those weapons we found. 
but admittedly that will mean there's some other thing that we won't be able to do, but... Alright, 38, 36, 35%, 33, 34, 33. Alright, two-thirds of the way done. Tweet great below, great gates below. More quick, more healing at the Westing place. So I said it's slower, but I only need a couple of heals, and I don't particularly care about having Neville reserve. All right, you're nearly at the edge. All right, I'm rushing towards a demon. You're near the edge of the Wing of Stone, with a sharp crack of energy fills the fills the air. The crackling sound is swiftly followed by a low pulsing hum and the sudden appearance of a swirling black Neville gate, the feet of a towering black-winged figure of Zorak. You halt in your tracks and assume a defensive stance as you gaze in horror at the trio of grey robe skeletons. Thin tines of lightning encase the claws of the vile fleshless undead as they swiftly advance upon you. You steel yourself for a brutal combat as you prepare to engage gauge the skeletal mages. Three undead mages reach out to you. They touch you for any reason, so deftly chew the length of your body for 10 damage. And anyway, they are slain. 5 XP. You step over the remains of your slain foes and approach the Wing of Stones. The Greater Demon Zorak, you're critically wounded, but that's not nearly wounded enough. You need more wounds! Far more wounds! And I am providing them for you. Alright, 1600 damage in one round. I pretty much have to go and heal after every round now. Because I have no negative reserve to heal in the other ways. Because it all got drained. Because that's just something the demon can do. It's just a thing. But I guess that's just a demon thing. Or at least a really big demon thing. Because this is a really big demon. Alright. 25%, twenty-five percent, twenty-four percent, twenty-three percent. Alright, twenty percent, nineteen percent. Alright. Oh and I and I can use the regular heals. Alright, quick heals and keep going, keep going, keep going. Nineteen percent, fourteen percent, thirteen percent. Slain. No one else has made any damage but Sir Crokington. I don't think they're going to get here in time. Oh, well. I didn't give them really much time to turn up. So, if it's, it's just got to be solo by Sir Crokington, then so be it. So be it indeed. Probably just a couple more rounds to go. Hovering on death's doorstep. Which is the most damage it has. 
near death, 9%, 8%, 7%, 6%, 5%, yep, alright, 1500 health, done, alright, hovering on death's doorstep, I think this will be the last round, and come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, it is, yep, alright, we stumble back from the towering figure of Zarek, no longer able to sustain attack, Fight 913 damage. With the final deafening war, four broad arcs of black lightning cross the sky as Zarak, the mighty demon servant of Jorath, slowly sinks down into the great reef of flame and smoke that fills the wing of stones. The bold adventurers positioned at the edge of the wing swiftly fall back as the far towering black winged demon topples into the unseen gate in the centre of the stones from which he sprung. The gruesome back battle is at last over. A brave adventurer struck the final blow and sent the demon back to the infernal well of his dark master. Now, you have to act. As the adventurers who have done battle with the demon continue their retreat towards the edge of the hill, you take a final glance at the wing of stones. Only thin wisps of black smoke remain where the fearsome demon Zarak stood only moments ago. In the wake of the brutal fight against Zarak, there are many adventurers in need of help and healing, and still many more who will never leave the ruins. And these are all non-playable characters. A strange, almost unsettling squire has descended upon the forest with the defeat and departure of the demon. So you find yourself wondering if it is indeed gone for good. Alright, and in six hours it will be back. Because that's just how these battles work. Defeat them, a few hours they come back. So everyone can have a go. Don't forget to visit the windowless building with a blue door. Hawklaw, Talonus, or Twithic to receive your experience with war for having participated in the defeat of Zarak. Alright, down back the gates. Southwest. A dark pool of frigid water dominates the western side of the ancient ruins. The shallow, rectangular body of water, but perhaps 50 yards long, nearly half as wide, bears not even the slightest trace of disturbance upon its unmoving, mirror-like surface. Surface. Follow, follow the narrow path leading west through the undergrowth. You stand at the edge of the un narrow path that leads back, back into the east through the thick undergrowth that chokes most of the lower ruins. Just ahead stands a long stone building is remarkably intact. A heavy door of stone and iron, adorned with an engraving that picks an axe, a sword and a long staff, is set into the middle of the door directly facing you. A tall stone arch hangs onto the right side of the door. Oh, just like those three weapons we found. Examine the door closely. A closer examination of the door reveals a smaller engraving below the more prevalent one. The small engraving depicts the three weapons, the sword, the axe and the staff, transforming into what appears to be a long guard piece of bone. 
attempt to open the door. You grip the stone hatch and attempt to open the door. Much to your surprise, your fingers have barely brushed against the latch when the massive door of stone and iron swings outward, revealing the shadowy interior of the structure that is so long guarded. Exercising extreme caution, you step into the darkness beyond. The stench of decay assails you as you gaze upon the shadowy interior of the structure. Suddenly, the flare of a single flame illuminates the long chamber in which you stand, and your eyes are drawn to a curious and unsettling sight. In the middle of the chamber stands a large oblong, ta- oblong stone table. A lone candle burns in the centre of the table, casting its bright, flickering light into all corners of this shadowy space. So, who's been replacing the candle? Because candles don't burn for that long, and this has been running for centuries. Seated on the opposite side of the table, in the high-backed wooden chairs, are three skeletal figures. The hands of each skeleton west of the table. The lips of their bony fingers, aligned by the gathered dust of many centuries, are the faint but distinct impressions of three weapons. A sword, an axe and a staff. In the middle of the table, to the left of the lone candle, you can make out an inscription buried beneath a thick layer of dust. Examine the inscription on the table. You wipe away enough dust to make out an inscription on the table which reads as follows. Our three is made one. Still wondering over the meaning of this cryptic inscription, you step back from the table. Approach the seated skeletal figures. With your eyes trained on the three skeletal figures, watching for even the slightest sign of movement. You cautiously approach the table, without a clattering of bones to serve serve as a warning. One of the fleshless undead seated at the table begins to stir. The skeleton seated before the dusty impression of the sword rises to his feet. The skeleton skeletal figure seated before the dusty impression of an axe rises to his feet. The skeleton seated before the dusty impression of a long staff rises out of his chair. You instinctively assume a defensive stance as the middle of the three skeletons steps forward and un- the undead being waves his hand across the table. You sense you've been asked to lay down the three iron weapons you've required. Alright, I will. You slowly pace, place each of the three iron wet- weapons in your possession on the table, setting them carefully into their corresponding dusty impressions. When the last of the three weapons in place, the three skeletons in unison sink back into the high-backed wooden chairs and once again rest their fleshless hands on the edge of the table. Beginning to wonder just what your action has accomplished, when suddenly you spot something resting on the table, just to the white of the lone flickering candle. Resting in the thick dust that covers the surface of the ancient table, just beneath the bright golden glow of the candle, 
is a long, gnarled finger of bone. The finger could not possibly be that of a human, as it is nearly a foot long, leading you to believe it is the severed, bony digit of a giant, or some other denizen not of this world. There are three distinct impressions that encircle the thickest part of the bone finger. I wonder if perhaps if something fits into the plainly discernible spaces. Despite a glowing sense, growing sense of jet, dread that seems to subtly descend upon you, you reach out and take hold of the, thing, of the, of the bone finger. It's the finger of dread. Let's have a look at it. This long, gnarled finger of bone is an ancient weapon of great power, presented to you by the three undead master warriors, the wounds of Tamara. This wand, formerly the finger of a greater demon, becomes a wand of unspeakable might when twitted with the three oryx bands that once adorned it. The finger must be equipped with a total of three oryx bands before its power be used in combat. The finger currently bears no expands. The finger is currently a level one and it emits a faint erratic buzz. Oh, yeah, this is uh, this is uh, this is an upgradable item, and you've got to get those three bands on it before you can use it. As the feeling of dread subsides, you retreat across the chamber. Make your way out of the structure, unable to bring yourself to look back in the direction of the seated skeletal figures. The heavy door closes your heels, and 256 experience to general. Okay, let's get our way out of here. Alright, we're going to leave the ruins, go to Orclaw, and now let's see if we've got our. Let's get our bonus for defeating the demon. That oh, must be somewhere. Maybe I have to probably have to save first. Alright, save. Now can I get my bonus? Alright. Multiplayer scenario experience reward, okay. Alright, 1,985 experience to general. And then there's the killing blow reward, 256 experience to general. And 64 experience to all skills and powers. And five battle markers. Alright, time to save my game. Okay, that, that's enough of that. Uh, what what shall we do next then? What shall we do next? Hmm. Yes, indeed. Hmm. The. Hmm. I will think of something later. But anyway, until then. Farewell, fellow adventurers.